0: All right, so um, let's get into today's message and today's teaching, I guess. And this is unique because um, historically speaking, um, I know there's always jokes, historically speaking, I try to turn in the message for PowerPoint Thursday afternoon or Friday, and Carissa can attest to that because she, um, she does that every week. So thank you, Carissa, so much for doing that. Uh, I always tell her, it means so much. By the end of the week, you get done with the message, and the last thing you want to do is spend five to 15 minutes on a PowerPoint. So I just thank you for doing that. But this week, I turned in my notes Saturday. And uh, it was stressing me out, not because I didn't have the message, but because I felt like I needed to add more things to the introduction, more things to the beginning, because, I think I can tie it um, to today's scripture. But as we presented in Romans 13, what's going on here in Romans 13 is, um, it's a reference towards the end of time. It's a reference towards the day of Jesus returning, right? So I'm just gonna read a couple verses one more time. And do this, understanding the present time, The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So, that's true. Jesus' returned. the end of existence here in this life, is closer today than it was yesterday. It's certainly closer today than it was yesterday when I was born, or when I first gave my life to Jesus. So with everything going on in the world, this is something we must consider. There's so many things that are becoming clearer, more black and white, for people to see today. But I want to take a minute and look at everything that's going on in the world and what Scripture might have to say about it. And then we're going to tie it to the two roads that we live on. So Revelation 16, verse 14. They are demonic spirits that perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. So there's these demonic forces that are carousing around the world, right, going to all the world leaders, right? Going to all the world leaders and speaking these lies about war that need to take place, that have to take place, domination. And we see those things happening today, do we not? Matthew 24, all of you are probably familiar with this scripture, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? How do we know that you're getting ready to return? How do we know that this life is getting ready to be over? Jesus answered, Jesus answered, WATCH OUT THAT NO ONE DECEIVES YOU. FOR MANY WILL COME IN MY NAME CLAIMING, I AM THE MESSIAH, AND WILL DECEIVE MANY. YOU WILL HEAR OF WARS AND RUMORS OF WARS, BUT SEE TO IT THAT YOU ARE NOT ALARMED. SUCH THINGS MUST HAPPEN. BUT THE END IS STILL TO COME. NATIONS WILL RISE AGAINST NATIONS, AND KINGDOMS AGAINST KINGDOMS. THERE WILL BE FAMINES AND EARTHQUAKES IN VARIOUS PLACES. All of these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We actually talked about this Friday at Bible Club. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. So you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, how many of you guys are hearing of some wars right now? We have a war going on right now. Now, we've been hearing of wars for a long time as well. So wars and rumors of wars. Now, what's really unique is this, is what we shared Friday with the kids and what we share again today is is there's, it's really easy for you and I, to see and believe in one another. We're humans, so we can interact with humans. But there's there's moments in our life when faith happens or when, when we try to pursue faith that we have many doubts. We have doubts, is God really real? Does God really love me? All of us have had those thoughts. Maybe even some of us today are currently in those thoughts. Why would a good God allow this to happen? So for me, what's really unique is, a lot of those questions, it's really hard to answer. But what's undeniable is a book that is much older than you and I, has prophesied this very season. That this book has prophesied things that will come to pass. So for me, when I'm in seasons of doubt, I can look to this book and know that God is real. Nations will rise against nations. We see that happening, don't we? Kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, if you just search on your phone earthquakes, you're gonna see a lot of earthquakes that have been taking place. Natural disasters taking place. Now, what's interesting to me is famines in various places. With coronavirus, what ended up happening is it's, it's messed with our supply chain a little bit, right? Specifically for a while, the toilet paper. And that was just because everyone was hoarding it. Now, what was really funny, though, I don't know if I told you guys the story or not, but um, I just played a joke on Macy, I don't know, six months before that. And the joke was... Um, we have a tub in the master bathroom. It's like a walk in jacuzzi tub that we just don't use. So I just wanted to play a joke on her. So, six months before coronavirus happened, I went out and I bought $150 worth of toilet paper. And I said, We're going to use it. It's not wasting money. Like, we're going to use it. It might take two years. So I ended up buying all this toilet paper and I filled up this jacuzzi tub full of toilet paper. And I'm like, Three sheets. Three sheets every time. So she came home and she's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Surprise!" So in God's provision, we had toilet paper throughout coronavirus, and um, I now have my retirement set because I was the toilet paper dealer. <laughs> A twenty gets you three sheets. So um, what happened during coronavirus was this is our supply chain was messed up a little bit. But what ends up happening is when our supply chain messes up, it means that the third world nations are starving. Like, we have enough here, but they get nothing. What about this? The Canadian trucker rally. The Canadians, their supply chain was messed up a little bit. So what does that mean for the third world nations? There's actually a trucker rally um, starting here, I believe at the beginning of March, that's going to DC. What's that going to do to our supply chain? It's going to mess it up. And then you have inflation. What does inflation do to the third world nations? Here's my point. Famines are going on whether we're overfed or not. Sometimes what we do is we don't see the signs of the times because we're only looking at all the blessings and the abundance that we have within our society. So nations are rising against nations, and kingdoms are rising against kingdoms. There's wars and rumors of wars that are taking place because the latest rumor then is if And I don't like to be political at church, right? But if NATO gets involved with what's going on, then they say we could be in World War III immediately. So there's already the rumors of what could happen. And you're like, Joey, I came to church because I wanted hope today. (laughs) Our hope is always in Jesus no matter what the situation is, good or bad. And right now, the world is not in a good place. And the spirit of the Antichrist is making its move once again. And what I believe, and and what we've seen based upon history, is it seems as if the spirit of the Antichrist makes a move every 100 years. Generally, within every 100 years, we see it happen. Some kind of catastrophic event that then um, pushes the one world order agenda forward. See, like, how do you guys think that one world order, according to Scripture, will ever come to pass? Do you think it's just going to, like, happen overnight? No, it's not going to happen overnight. What's going to have to happen is, over time, people give up their freedoms and people lose their freedoms, and then we find the agenda. If you don't know this within the... Um, oh, what was it called, the reimbursement that they were giving, the um, stimulus, thank you, the stimulus check package, the original stimulus package, what was in there, it was proposed and denied that the stimulus would be given as a cashless bill, and then that we would move within the next five years to have a cashless society. So it was proposed, it was denied, but when you have a cashless society, you have nothing to buy or sell, and what can end up happening is your bank can just be wiped away. Your 401K can just be wiped away. So then what that then allows to happen is according to scripture, there's coming a day where to buy or sell, we will have to receive the mark of the beast. And if you receive the mark of the beast, that means that you've commit your soul to Satan, and you will go to hell, but if you endure, Not buying or selling, you will inherit eternal life with Christ. Those are scary things, aren't they? What we see happening is we see the scriptures coming true here in Matthew 24. Now, there's famines and there's earthquakes. And what it says is like um, it'll be like birth pains. Now, as you know, I've never had a kid, I've never had a baby. Macy hasn't had a baby either. But what I do generally know, just based upon health class, is when women have babies, the pain and the contractions increase the closer she gets to having the child. So what we see now is we're seeing wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in various places increasing, right? Before the return of Christ. So, I hope you're asking yourself the question, and I, and I hope we're all, myself included, just feeling a little bit of that fear of God this morning. Because our fear shouldn't be of man. Our fear shouldn't be of the spirit of the Antichrist, because the spirit of the Antichrist doesn't have the power to send us to heaven or hell. The spirit of the Antichrist doesn't have the power to deliver us from what's going on in this world, but Jesus does. SO I HOPE THAT AS WE'RE ALREADY CONSIDERING WHAT'S GOING ON THUS FAR IN THE SERMON, WE'RE EXPERIENCING THAT FEAR TO SAY, IF JESUS WERE TO RETURN TODAY, WHAT WOULD HAPPEN TO ME? NOW, SOME PEOPLE, ESPECIALLY ON THE NEWS, SOME PEOPLE EVEN WITHIN THIS ROOM, MIGHT BE SAYING, NAH, THIS ISN'T HAPPENING, the end of the world isn't here. The church has been talking about the end of the world forever. Now, the Bible talks about you as well. 2 Peter 3 3 through 4. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So so there's going to be scoffers. There's already scoffers that are saying, hey, look, I know you've been saying Jesus is going to return, but he's not coming. You Christians just are making stuff up just to have faith into something for your heart. Jesus isn't going to return. There's no Jesus. Where is he? He would have come by now. <coughs> Scripture also tells us this, in the end, it will be like the days of Noah. People will be married and given in marriage, going about their life, working. Now, what do we know about the story of Noah? See, in, in, in the story of Noah, what he essentially does is he builds the ark and everyone thinks that he's crazy. Everyone thinks that he's crazy, that there's going to be judgment come from God. No one listened. It was Noah and his family. See, in the end, such as a time as this, what's going to end up happening is the believers will be sharing about God's mercy and about God's judgment and about the end of time coming. But there's going to be a generation of people that don't believe it. Trying to find the pulpit and I can't get it. There it is. That's scary, isn't it? That's scary for you and I. Because if we just go about our life and think that Jesus isn't going to return, then we're not taking life seriously. See, now here's the thing maybe Jesus doesn't return today, but I might stop breathing today. Therefore, Jesus returned. See, we need to steward our lives in such a way that we take this very seriously. So in light of where the world is, and now we're getting into today's, today's message, right? We're transitioning. Now, in light of where the world is, how might you, cha- how might you change the way that you're living right now? Pursue reconciliation. Don't argue over petty things within your family or friends. See, life is full of decisions what to wear, what to eat, who to marry, where to work. And a few weeks ago, Jesus warned people not to worry about such things. You guys remember that? Don't worry about those decisions. But what did he say? He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all of the decisions that you have to be make will be given to you. Everything that you need will be given to you. What to wear, what to eat, who to marry, where to work. Everything that you need will be given to you if you seek him first. Amen? But there are hard decisions to make each day. But the hardest decision that we have to make is always in reference to who Jesus is. So we have a lot of scripture today. The hardest decision that you need to make today is not what car you're going to buy. Not how much money you're going to put in your 401k. Not what you're going to wear. Not the house renovation. Not the pipe that burst. The hardest decision that you have to make is who you're going to follow each day. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. There's a choice that you and I have to make daily who we serve. See, there's there's just this thought within the Christian world, this ideology that isn't intentional, but many people do it, is many people reference the day that they were saved or baptized. And what you often hear is once they did that, then life just be like, they don't have to really do anything the rest of the time. But the fact of the matter is the day that you get saved or baptized, um, it's just the beginning. Each day you still have, you don't make a choice once and never have to make it again. Each day you have to choose Christ. There's a decision that you have to make each day. Amen? So life is full of hard decisions. So when you woke up this morning, who did you choose to follow? What did you choose to follow? Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond, uh, beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There's a decision being made right here whom they will serve. Proverbs 14:19. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. So depending on what path you choose, life will come about for you. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A decision has to be made about Jesus. And what we've seen thus far is there's two decisions. There's not three Every human ever born gets to make two decisions. Now they think that there might be more options. There's two there's Jesus, and then there's everything else. Last one, 1 Kings 18 21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between the two options? If the Lord is God, follow him but if Baal is God, follow him. We have to make decisions what our life will be about. We have to make a decision in an hour like this what we will stand up for. Two decisions. Jesus or everything else. God or everything else. So in today's scripture, Jesus presents the first of four warnings that we have to make chooses, uh, choices about. So, over the next couple weeks, we will talk about these four warnings. Now, the four warnings are this there's two roads and two gates, there's two trees, there's two claims, and there's two types of builders. So, over the next several weeks, we're going to discuss those two options. Jesus was calling those on the mountain to make a choice, just as Jesus is calling you and I to make a choice today as well. So as we get into today's scripture on the Sermon on the Mount, recognize that Jesus is offering two choices. He's warning them about the choice that they make and the judgment that will come with it. So Matthew 7 Verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So Jesus is painting a clear picture for those on the mountain this day. There's two gates the small and the wide. There's two paths, the broad and the narrow. There's two crowds, those who follow Jesus and those who don't. And there's two destinations, heaven and hell. The question we must ask ourselves is how do we know the difference between the two paths? How do we know that we are on the right path today? How do we know if our friends are on the right path? So we're going to discuss those over the next several minutes. So I first want to talk about the wide path. Now, there's this idea that (laughs) uh, you're born into this life, and then you're born neutral. And then based upon how your parents are or what you choose, you choose your path. So you kind of say, like, well, I just want to go be the or I want to go be the person who just lives however they want, fornication, drunkenness, whatever, right? So you think that you choose the wide road, or you're like, well, I want to be a good kid. I want to be a goody-two-shoes. I want to be a good student and always obey my parents and go to church and fast and pray three times a day and do all those things, right? Here's the thing. If we believe that we choose from birth, we're deceived. The fact of the matter is this, is you don't choose the wide road. You actually are born onto the wide road. It's our natural state. No one is good. So we're born into sin, according to Scripture. Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So if in sin we were conceived, what road are we born into? The wide. We don't choose it. We're born into it. Ephesians 2.1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Not only were we born into it, we're dead in our transgressions and sin, but our flesh is hostile towards God. It is. MY FLESH IS HOSTILE TOWARDS GOD. ROMANS 8-7, THE MIND GOVERNED BY THE FLESH IS HOSTILE TOWARDS GOD. IT DOES NOT SUBMIT TO GOD'S LAW, NOR CAN IT DO SO. WIDE ROAD. ISAIAH 53-6, WE ALL LIKE SHEEP HAVE GONE ASTRAY. EACH OF US HAS TURNED TO OUR OWN WAY, AND THE LORD HAS LAID ON HIM THE INIQUITY Of all of us. I told you a lot of scripture today. Romans 3 12. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Those are hard scriptures to hear, but we must recognize and we must see that the wide path is popular and easy to live on. We were born into that. When we were born, we were not born as good. One author says it this way about the wide path. The broad and easy way can be followed without thought. There is plenty of space to walk in. There is plenty of space for the attractive things of the world to grow and allure. There is plenty of space for a person to wander about. It is difficult to wander off its path. The broad road is the way of the unthoughtful, the undisciplined, the lazy, the worldly, the ungodly, the materialistic, and the carnal. See, the way of the world is the wide path. It is inclusive, as it will allow for any perspective and any thought to be perceived as truth. So, if your kid wants to identify as a dinosaur, they can identify as a dinosaur. If your kid wants to identify as the opposite sex, what's the world allowing the kid to do? Identify as the opposite sex. Now, not only is the world currently allowing that to happen, but the world is actually encouraging that to happen. Now what's really unique is this, is how many of you guys know what TikTok is? All right. (laughs) Here's what's really unique about TikTok. So TikTok was created in China and it's become an app that we've all used, or I haven't used it actually, but many people have used and I know a lot of you haven't used it either, but the world is using it. Literally, that and Snapchat, Uh, Facebook's still up there, but those are like the three most used um, apps that there are. So what's really unique about TikTok is this, is people get on there and they watch these short clips of people doing funny stuff or whatever. And um, what was said is within America, what the TikTok overseers were doing was they were making stupid videos here in America go viral. So that's where you get people like throwing food on themselves, doing stupid dances. So then what ends up happening is when you get someone in their house doing stupid dances or sexual dances, or essentially, I'm just going to say it, a lot of these apps have just become softcore porn. So what happens is... Um, what the things that are going viral the things that are going viral are the materialistic things the stupid things here in the united states so then we have a generation of kids we have a generation of young people who think if i just get on this app and get half naked then i'll get 500,000 followers and my life will matter And then we have people getting on the app that just say, well, hey, if I get on there and I just cuss or I do stupid things, then I will go viral. Well, in China, what's going viral are kids who are doing science fair projects and kids who are um, reading books and talking about books. The silly things are not being um, rewarded. So it's really interesting to me how we can be deceived and a whole culture can be changed from the higher ups just through an app. See, the trajectory of the next generation is through what's going on on television and in the apps. So that with the spirit of the Antichrist, and I, this is a tangent, but it needs to be said, The spirit of the Antichrist in the higher ups, what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to influence the world through popularity and fame. So they start rewarding and making these kids become famous by doing things that don't matter. Does that make sense to you guys? So what they're saying is, hey, if you want to be a plane, just identify as a plane. If you want to identify as a boy, just identify as a boy. If you want to identify as a girl, just identify as a girl. And what that is, at its finest, is the spirit of the Antichrist manipulating in the highest places to deceive the world so that they're led astray and go to hell. See, we think it's just a generation of kids, a generation of young people who are doing silly things. No, this is a strategic plan by the spirit of the Antichrist to lead kids astray. You think about music now. You even think about music back then. Every generation has always said that their kids' music sucks, stinks, is not good, it's horrible. Well, how many of you guys have listened to new music lately and you're like, this music is horrible? Macy and I are finally at that age. (laughs) We just are. Oh, but the halftime show, that was great, wasn't it? Music is horrible. Like, when I look at many of the um, artists in Hollywood, when I look at many of the actors and actresses, you say to yourself, they're not even that good. Like, this musician is not even that talented. There's very few musicians that are actually talented today. People are in here like, preach, back in my day, ACDC, and... Nothing to do with that, but here's how we see the manipulation. We have untalented people making millions of dollars half naked on TV or on their albums singing about sex, drugs, and whatever else they want. And then what's going into our kids' ears? These songs. So you have to ask the question, how in the world could untalented people have such a platform? Because what? These untalented people do is they're willing to sell their soul for fame and fortune. They're willing to give up whoever they are. So, what the spirit of the Antichrist does is the spirit of the Antichrist uses music and Hollywood and Netflix. The spirit of the Antichrist uses fear on television and mainstream media to manipulate us, to deceive us, and to destroy us. And what we see happening is truth is not a truth any longer. The wide path, the wide path is the path of TikTok. The wide path is the path of um, secular music. The wide path is the path of identifying however you want. There is a war going on if people would awaken from their slumber to see that the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well and active coming after you and your kids and your grandkids. But then the church says, hey, will you fast with us to combat that? Will you come on Wednesday nights or before church to combat that? Will you have time to worship and pray and seek God's face to combat that? And no, I got a soccer game today. While your kid is in back listening to Rihanna or Drake or whoever they are talking about sex, and then you get mad with your kid who you walk in you know, five years later with his girlfriend, you get the point. You allowed him to listen to the music so I've I've really beat that in, uh, really, beat that up. But you get the point. There is a war going on, right now, in this world. So the way of the world is inclusive, and it allows any perspective and any thoughts to be perceived as truth. See, generally speaking, there is a universalist perspective, in this world. Forty percent of people, in a Barna study, think that there is um, think that no matter what you believe, you will end up in the same spot. So forty percent of people believe that no matter what you believe, you'll end up in the same spot. Now twenty-five of that forty percent were American evangelicals. Twenty-five percent of those who were in this study, believed that no matter what you believe, you end up in the same spot. When asked about pluralism, 59% of Americans said, whether Christian or Muslim, they worship the same God. 40% of evangelicals accepted this. 40% of Christians said, no matter who you worship, you go to the same spot. Isn't that crazy? These perspectives are clearly the perspective of the wide road, right? God is not um, inclusive. He is in one way, he's inclusive in this, is that Jesus died so that all would be saved. He desired that all would be saved. He's very inclusive in that manner everyone, no matter what your sin is, no matter what your shortcoming is, no matter what your past was, no matter where you've come from, Jesus said, I desire that all would be saved. Amen? Heaven is exclusive from the standpoint there's one way to go and that's Jesus Christ. Now, the, why do we want to avoid the wide road? What happens with those on the wide road? It leads to destruction. Now, destruction that's being discussed here is just not the decisions that you make. Um, There's a photographer that um, I follow on YouTube, and he totally has chosen the way of the wide road. Well, he was doing some drugs in Australia, and he jumped off a, in in his trip, he jumped off a three-story Building, and um, off the balcony, hit his head and broke his back. Lucky to be alive. You know why he's alive? Because God loves him. God wants to set him free, and God doesn't want him to be in hell for eternity. Living on the wide road has immediate consequences, but more than the immediate consequences, it has consequences for a lifetime. Matthew eight twelve. <clears throat> but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hell. Revelation 14, 11. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its time. So this is referencing the end of time, right? And those who receive the mark of the beast, what's going to happen to them? They're going to go to hell. But in hell, what do they experience? Um, There will be no rest day or night for anyone who receives the mark. I don't know about you, but I like to have some rest. A good nap, and more than a good nap, just internal peace and rest, there's nothing like it. So in hell, there's going to be no rest. <clears throat> in Revelation 20:10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The decisions that we make are important for us. The decisions that our family makes are important for them. And one of the things that we like to do is we like to complain about our family, and be frustrated about our family. But a lot of times what we don't like to do is pray for our family and fast for our family and worship for our family. (coughs) But I guarantee you what I know of everyone in this room, you would give your life for your family, you take a bullet for your family You'd give the last food that you have to your family. But if your family dies, what does that matter if they don't know Jesus? So instead of doing these worldly things, of just giving the last coat, which is a good thing, care more about your family from a spiritual aspect. Contend for them in new ways. All right. So the question is, if we were born into and if we were born on the wide road, how do we get off? Where's our where's our exit? How do we help people get off the wide road? How do we make sure that we're not on the wide road? For us to get off the wide road, to get off the wide path, we must repent. Not do good or be nice, but repent. That's what we're supposed to do. Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We must decide to live on the narrow path It doesn't just happen. So we must repent as we described again to the kids on Friday, repentance means we recognize our depravity before a holy God. We recognize the evil desires, um, the manipulation, the domineering spirits within our hearts. And we say, God, I recognize that before a holy God, I'm not a good person. That I pale in comparison to your glory. So I'm gonna turn from my wicked ways. I'm gonna turn from my sin. I'm going confess them to you and I'm gonna turn to you and no longer do those anymore. We give up those areas in our life and we no longer do them. After we repent, after we give those things to God, though, after God graciously takes them and puts his blood over them to enable us to repent, what do we have to do? It's not just repent and be done, then it's repent and obey. We must live a life that is obedient. John 14, 21. whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show um, myself to them. So no one said that the narrow path will be easy. On the contrary, the narrow path is a one-way road. That's it. One way, John fourteen six. Jesus answered, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Romans ten nine and ten. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe, and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So the only way that we can be saved is Jesus. It's a one-way road. So if we think that what's going on in the world right now is bad, hell is going to be a billion times worse. Infinity times worse. The narrow path is unpopular. Luke 14, 26 If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. There will be decisions in our life that we have to make that are extremely hard. Now, this scripture is not telling us to literally hate our family and our loved ones, But this scripture is telling us there will be people in our lives, even the closest people in our lives, such as family, that will lead us astray. And for the sake of living on the narrow path, we will have to choose to separate ourselves from people who live on the wide road. Our family has the capability of leading us astray. And what God wants us to know is don't give up on them but you're going to have to be willing to separate yourself from family. Now, there's certain covenants that you've made before God and people, such as marriage. Does that mean you give up on your marriage and you separate a marriage? By no means. When you said yes, you stick it through. But there's certain things in life where brothers or sisters or good friends are gonna say, will you just hang out with me? Will you just be my friend? And you're like, I really wanna be, but I know I have to make this decision. And there's been decisions that I have um, made by the grace of God where I have lost friends over my pursuit of Christ. Now, do I do it perfect, perfectly? Not at all. But the narrow path is unpopular. It's gonna be hard. 2 Timothy 3 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you hear that? Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You're like, why well, haven't been persecuted? So then I'd say, well, I don't know if you want to live a godly life with Jesus Christ. Oh, man, that's hard today. You're stepping on my toes. Here's what I'm saying. Those who want to live a godly life with Jesus Christ, don't hide it. And I'll tell you this. If you, if you hide that you're serving Jesus Christ, you won't be persecuted. Right? But if you don't hide it, you will be persecuted. See, essentially Judas, uh, this is free, so don't be too critical, just thoughts that have come into my mind. Judas kind of served Jesus, right? But when it came to it, he denied him. So he really wasn't persecuted, he was paid. But what did the disciples do? They identified with him. And they faced consequences eventually. So anyone who desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. The narrow path is not easy. It is unpopular. It is hard. It will cost us something. The narrow path is an intentional choice. We need to recognize that we are bankrupt before God. So we have to make the intentional choice to repent, be baptized, and to follow him. You can't be just a good person. You can't just become, uh, you can't just make people aware of what's going on in the world. You can't just pay it forward. There has to be an intentional choice to get on one of the two paths, to serve one of the two kings. And there's a big king and there's a little king. Actually, it's not even a king. There's a king and there's a prince. The narrow path will demand that we forsake many things. We're going to have to forsake family, our sin, the past, our jobs, our desires. We're going to have to forsake many things to live on the narrow path. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we have to forsake many things to put off the old and walk into the new. So um, what happens, though, is many people think that they can just do good. Now, that you can come to church, and they think that you can fast, and Jesus is going to actually talk about that here here in a couple weeks. But people think that they can just do good. That, hey, I can fast, I can pray, I can prophesy, I can expose evil, I can do all those things, but I need a $20 bill right now. Who has a $20 bill? I need it. Check your wallet. I literally need one for my, um, to move forward. Big money. I got it. Um, thank you. All right. So now back to scripture. Uh, I didn't know it was that easy. All right. All right. So this $20 bill. Cash, right? Now, some here on here, it, yeah, this note is a legal tender for all debts, public and private. Legal tender. So then w- what's also weird to me is the uh, coin shortage and cash shortage. It's, it's weird. Um, I think the spirit of the Antichrist is on that as well. But this is a legal tender, meaning wherever I take it, They legally have to accept it for the resources. What's interesting about this, though, is is this $20 bill has done a lot of good things, right? Maybe it's bought food for a homeless person. Maybe this $20 bill bought some clothes for a homeless person. Um, Maybe it helped purchase a car or bought some medicine. This $20 bill has done a lot of good things, And then eventually, it now made it into the church offering. (laughs) It's now made it into the church offering. But after it's counted and into the church offering, what ends up happening is this, is it goes to the bank, and they look at it, and they take their marker and they swipe it, and they say, this is counterfeit. See, you can't look back at this $20 bill and say, but all the good that it did, all the good that this $20 bill did, what do you mean it's counterfeit? What Jesus is trying to share with those on the Sermon on the Mount is this, is there's the way of the wide and there's the way of the narrow. And living on the narrow doesn't mean that you get to live and just do good things. What living on the narrow means that in every aspect of your life, you're pursuing to be genuine and authentic. See, when you get to the bank, when you get to meet your creator, the way of the narrow will say you're covered by the blood of Jesus. And you are authentic. Get in here, good and faithful servant. Amen? No matter the good that you did, it's about being authentic. Authentic. The narrow path is about loving God with an authentic heart. (laughs) So look at where the world is today. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famines in various places, earthquakes. We're on the brink of World War III. Literally on the brink of it. so we better examine our hearts. We better get right with our families. We better love every moment that we have with our church and friends. Examine your heart. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Here's what Paul encourages. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you, not exa- uh, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail that test. So today I leave you with this. Examine your life right now. Examine your life in this moment. Are you on the narrow path or are you on the wide path? If you guys could close your eyes. There's some people in here today that um, need to rededicate their life to Christ or have never given their life to Jesus in an authentic way. Paul encourages us, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Are you living on the way of the wide path or are you living on the narrow path? Scripture says to repent and be baptized. So today what I want to ask is, is there anyone in here today that says, I need to give my life to Christ to live on the narrow path? Just raise your hand. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray, and then um, if you want to come up here, we'd like to pray for you. That would be great. Don't be shy. Um, after I get done praying, um, then you can do that. But I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to get out of here. So, Father, so many unique things going on in this world. Today is a heavy message even for myself to present it. So, so Father, may people not misinterpret this as judgment or harshness, but somewhat be excited that your truths in your word are coming true, and that by your grace, you're giving us the ability to um, analyze where our heart is and where our allegiance is. Today we choose whom we serve, Father. I pray that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy. We pray for those in Ukraine and Russia, Father, that you would protect them, that they would come to know you. Father, thank you that your scripture... um, says that in the end of times, um, old men will dream dreams and young men will prophesy, Father. Thank you that we see those things happening. Pray that you protect us this week. Give us boldness. Give us courage. In Jesus' name, amen.